0: I asked the librarian, Where do you keep the books on paranoia? And she said, They're right behind you. This is Across the Table, the podcast of Hannibal the Magician. This is church. Mother, may I rest in your arms? This is life, la vie, holy, powerful, vibrant life. I lay here, and I am surrounded by thousands of shades of life, nurturing me, filling me with breath and verdant zeal. The impact on my senses is such that water is drawn from my overwhelmed eyes. Propped against a priest tree on the thin edge of the wild, the surging green of a hallowed meadow. I see the face of God, who somehow took fear and sadness and created the color of life and pure magic. Random breeze brings me the unique, raw scent of freshly mown grass, and I am young. I travel through time to my father's house. My chores finished, I recline in the arms of my tree, high above the mossy carpet, eating a Granny Smith. I dream of green power and magic in my hands, God was listening and is gracious in giving. God put green in my eyes to reflect the depths of the oceans, the forests, the limitless power of imagination. Not long ago, on a wooded path, I held the very hand of love. Passerby smiled or glanced curiously, but we simply loved passionately through our palms and let our hearts grow wild. Over my head, I hear music in the air. Birds in my trees, my own emerald city. No need to click my heels, I'm already home. That's a piece called Green from a book of poetry that I wrote about a year or so ago uh, based on colors and, and how certain colors made me feel. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let me know what color you like and we'll recite that one uh, on a few, future episode. Hey, welcome to Across the Table. This is episode three. I am getting a bit of an early start on it because I have a... Uh, I had a, quite a week this past week. Very exciting. Lots of lots of stuff happened. Um, first of all, wanna, before we get into all that, I want to welcome you, say thanks for tuning in again, for listening to what I have to say. Uh, this program is sponsored by you and you alone. You... Uh, if you like it, you're, uh, it, it's your show. You are to, you're sponsoring it. You are my investors, and I appreciate you very, very much. You give me your time. You give me your attention. And some of you support me financially, and I'm very grateful for that. If you would like to be a part of the uh, financial investors who help out uh, on a monthly basis, my Patreon account can be found at patreon.com slash Artist as one word, Magic Artist um you can invest as little as a dollar a month a uh, $5 a month investment is uh, is suggested but it's entirely up to you the most important thing of course is your time and uh and I do appreciate you tuning in to listen or taking the effort to seek me out to uh, to hear what I have to say on this weekly basis i am very very grateful for that um Patreon.com, that's P A T R E O N.com slash magic artist. If you'd rather do a one time donation, uh, just feel like sending money to me to help support this program and the other things I've got going on, my PayPal is Chris, C H R I S, at H E G It's an old, um, old email that I used to use when I first started off. H E G Magic was Hannibal Entertainment Group. Uh, Hannibal trivia for the historians listening a hundred years from now and I'm just going to go right ahead and pretend there are actually people listening a hundred years from now I'm a time traveler why not this week this past week took me to Washington DC to the nation's capital and more interestingly to the Watergate Hotel the infamous Watergate Hotel where um, President Nixon met his uh, the beginnings of his downfall uh, they have embraced the history of that there they uh, they really have apparently the hotel stood empty for a number of years and some investors came back in and spruced it up and it's this interesting melange of 70s classic style like when it was when it was at its heyday uh, and full of celebrities and modern incredible conveniences I was uh, I was treated by my client to a king suite and um, with a massive bed, a huge view of the, of the river going by up on the fifth floor, and, um, and just every little amenity you could think of. It was uh, genuinely the lap of luxury, to the point where some of the technology was such that there was one room I could not figure out how to turn the lights off. Uh, there were switches everywhere. There were, there were control panels and temperature gauges and all kinds of things, but I, uh, for this one little side room... There didn't seem to be any kind of a light control or a light switch, so uh, who can say? Um, A shower with uh, the uh, the rain, you know, the ceiling, the rain coming out of the ceiling for for the entire thing. Great pressure, so that was that was kind of amazing, as well as the ability to shoot water out of the walls. So um, (laughs) uh, cleanliness was (laughs) was a very modern convenience. very relaxing, especially after a show. Um, the company I was working for, it was actually a, a gentleman who I had worked with in a different company before, uh, an aerospace um, company, and he moved on to um, to a different company and remembered me. And uh, in one of their very first uh, meetings, one of their very first conferences, thought i would be a good addition and uh... had a blast and i believe they did too Um when was a very very good weekend i uh... i opted to drive up because the, the the past few days have been kinda cool and i know the drive up through north carolina and virginia is just gorgeous uh... at this time of year all the greens come out along the uh... along the highway and uh... and the sky was just flawless uh, had a great trip had a lot of time to think over some things A lot of time to prep some thoughts and think over what the next directions are going to be and um, while I may still be a bit clueless as to what the future will hold that's okay I've got a clear idea of which direction I'm going to take this and I'm excited about it and maybe it'll be great and maybe I'll fail but I'm gonna enjoy the journey along the way and that's gonna be a topic uh, I want to discuss a little bit later in this program but uh, stayed at the Watergate. Um, the, the staff could not have been nicer, even when I uh, initially, I got there kind of late in the evening, and I, uh, I I parked in the employee parking lot, but they uh, they let that go. They were like, "Ah, stay there, you're only here for a few days. You, it's okay to keep your car there. It was it, they were very, very giving on that. But right before I got to the hotel, I stopped. And had dinner with some friends, some old pirate friends that I knew, haven't seen in a couple of years. And we had a fantastic little powwow over some Ethiopian food and uh, gossiped un, uh, unrepentantly about mutual friends and acquaintances and uh, where our careers are going and the nature of show business and all kinds of fun stuff. All very harmless, but uh, we had ourselves a good chuckle. And uh, it didn't cost anybody anything. Uh, had a blast. Enjoyed it very, very much. I uh, hope I get to see them again very soon. Um, the uh, like I said, the program went very well. I did uh, I did my close up magic thing before dinner during the cocktail hour, and then presented the the corporate show, the uh, the motivational show, the the one tinged towards leadership, and the idea of every card being important and the leader. Uh, you know, allows the cards to have their own personalities and their own values, but guides them in the correct way to go. It's a nifty little program that I that I enjoy presenting, um, and it was received very well. And uh, afterwards, we retired upstairs to the uh, to the lobby bar and hung out for another few hours and told stories and told jokes and uh, enjoyed the company. Had a lot of fun. On a uh, on an interesting note. Um, the next day, I got to sleep in a little bit late. I got a, um, a late checkout and just spent some time hanging out in the room, writing a few things longhand, wrote some letters to some friends, um, spent a lot of time just looking out over the river uh, and, and the trees around it. Had a, a very peaceful morning. And uh, so finally packed up and, and headed downstairs. And as I got into the elevator... There was uh, a young lady from the show the night before, and I was dressed for traveling. I, I didn't have my regular stage persona, Hannibal. On my my armor was in my uh, uh, my suitcase. I was just uh, dressed for comfort for a long drive. And she was obviously heading out for the airport. She had her bag with her um, and was heading out as well. But she was uh, she was gorgeous. She was beautiful. She uh, she was all to the nines and just. Uh, and heading out for her day, and we we had a brief chat on the way down, and and um, she told me about where she lived and, and heading home to her uh, to her partner, and um, looking forward to she'd been away for a few days, so she was looking forward to getting back home. And she went down one floor lower than mine, so when I got to the lobby and I stepped out, uh, apparently on impulse, she thanked me for the show the night before. Um, I stepped out of the elevator into a crowd of, I don't know, seven or eight people that were standing there talking, having a uh, a bit of a chat amongst themselves. And as I stepped out of the elevator and the doors were beginning to close, she piped up with, thank you so much for last night. You were extraordinary. And the doors closed and there was some silence as I was standing there uh, among the people and I just kind of gave a little grin and, and walked on uh, to check out. I, I didn't feel the need to explain anything to anyone, although they looked at me and they looked at her, and, and the the uh, the bafflement was was definitely there. Anyway, these things happen. Um, I got back home, had a, had a long leisurely drive back through North Carolina. I took the time because. Uh, I was heading west, and I really wanted to uh, watch the sunset uh, as I was trailing through Virginia and coming back into North Carolina. And I timed it pretty well. Um, it was really beautiful. The, the, the sky changes colors uh, magnificently here in this part of the country. And, um, again, it's very peaceful. It, got, uh, it calmed a lot of my anxieties and things that have been creeping up on me for the past few weeks. But a good show and good people and good company as well as having some good time to myself and uh, noticing the uh, the beauty of stuff around me really, really helped. Um, got back home, had a had a, a brief nap during the evening, cleaned up the house a little bit, and then drove up to Asheville, up in Asheville, North Carolina. My oldest daughter, Carlisle, um, who occasionally I will joke about being the white sheep of the family, she's... She's got a lot of hobbies, but she's never embraced uh, art the way some of the others have. She's looked at things and and done other things, but she's been very uh, very much a a straight-line thinker. She's very creative in what she does, and and she likes what she does. Um, I believe she likes to travel and would like to do more of that. Um, and that I think she'll do that more in the future because she's always got her eye on the horizon. I'm very proud of her and for what she does, and I'll tell you um, a story about her in another podcast because I could go on for a few hours about it, but uh, she's discovered uh, an art form that she really enjoys and is embracing. She's been doing it for at least a year, maybe a little longer, um, but she's discovered the joys of, uh, of wrestling, and she has joined up with a team of... Uh, of wrestling ladies known as Gorgor Luchador. And they present shows around North Carolina, and they raise money for charity, and they just have a lot of fun. So she had a show up at a place called the Auditorium, odd Auditorium, the Odd Auditorium, up in West Asheville. Uh, it's kind of a punk rock club. They featured the Gorgor Luchadors there Saturday night, as part of their entertainment, and my daughter was the queen of hertz, um, and was uh, the headliner, was the uh, the, the show closer, uh, facing up against the bone collector. Um, it was uh, it was very interesting. It, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, very silly, very off the cuff, and and just amazing. A lot, a lot of fun. There are pictures up. On my uh, Instagram and Facebook page, you can you can check those out. Daddy is proud, is all I'm gonna say. I got to uh, I got to watch, and my friend Mandy was also uh, a wrestler. I didn't know Mandy was going to be there, but Mandy is also a wrestler. She is a pirate wrestler known as Captain Right Hook, and because she needed a valet, I briefly got to play her Smee and uh, collect her coat and her hat as she was stepping into the ring. Um, so, uh, that was fun. I got to be a part of the show and uh, uh, loved every minute of it. Gorgor Luchador. If you see them around, if you're in the Charlotte area or see them around somewhere, check out a show. It's 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 just fun. It's just plain old straight up fun. And like I said, they collect money for different charities, and um, uh, so it's worthwhile too. Uh, I could brag on my daughter. As long as you'd like, but uh, like I said, this, I'm going to do that in another podcast. There's lots of things I could say about all my children. Um, but let's move on from here. Let's let's move on to the next thing. Um, from last, I want to lead off with something that uh, I got a question from a friend in last week's last Monday's uh, Ask Hannibal Anything. This comes from my friend Robert. Uh, Robert's question was, how should one deal with the voice in one's head that keeps saying, you're not good enough, you're a loser, you aren't, etc., etc. Um, so in my reply, I'm going to tell you what I said, and then I'm going to expand on it a little bit, if that's okay. Because I think all of us deal with our own doubts and, and the voice in our head and the things that uh, get whispered, um, especially late at night when you're trying to sleep. That's the way it works for me. But these things I've found help to head them off. Uh, Drink a lot of water. Be hydrated. That's a good suggestion for a lot of different things, but it really does help. Eat smart. And when the voice is at its worst, I find it's best to get still. Face it calmly like you would an unruly child, because that's exactly what that voice is. It's an unruly, undisciplined child. It's, it's your mind trying to find the worst possible scenario it can and trying to frighten you with it. It's, uh, that's fear. So you get still as be- best you can, and feel the life inside you. feel your very essence. get to your very heart. Find out, you know, where that center point is. and, and I know this is sounding a little woo. This is me. You uh, you want my honest opinion, and here it is. You get down to the very essence of exactly who you are. Sink down into your heart, find out what your ability, what your passion, what your love is. Find it in its calm, peaceful place, and embrace it. Understand that you are a vital part of the universe as a whole. You are you for a reason. You were made for a reason. There 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 are no useless cards in the deck. You are you because you are part of everything else. We are connected at a very uh, essence level. Um, The voice you're listening to, the voice that that screams in your head is a bully and it is completely rooted in fear. It's it's your mind attempting to keep your soul in check because your soul wants to fly. Your soul wants to take the chances. Your soul wants to jump in with both feet and see what happens with life and that is wonderful but your mind wants to scare you with it because who knows what could happen that's where the anxiety slips in who knows what could happen who knows maybe you could fly maybe you really could you know plant your feet firmly on the ground and push upwards and you never know soul-wise I'm talking about I'm getting woo on you again it is it's a lie the voice in your head is a lie, the one that tries to push you down and tell you you're not special, to tell you that you're not loved, to tell you that there's no one that cares about you. It's a complete lie. You are loved. You are embraced. The world, the universe wants you here and wants you where you are for a reason. You are not your mind and you're not your pain We all have pain. We all have things that cause us fear and anxiety. But that doesn't define who we are. Our joy defines who we are. The way we love and the way we cast love out into the world and the way we accept it when it comes back to us is what defines us. Joy can kill fear. If you can find the little joys in your life, Find them, exercise them, even if it's the simple, simple joys, simple as cutting flowers, simple as breaking the crust on a creme brulee, on a a homemade pie, as simple as jelly toast. If that brings you joy, sitting calmly and, and looking at the woods, that does it for me an awful lot. It's a little joy, and the little joys fill in the scars, fill in the cracks, and help us keep moving forward. Like anything else, finding these little joys is an exercise. It might be tough at first, but you'll find that the more you do it, the more you consciously try to seek for joy and beauty around you, the easier it is to find it. This, if you look at life as a game, you got to understand you can't really lose we all have a starting and a stopping place. But in between, it's what happens to us and the way we react to what happens to us that defines who we are. You can't lose the game because it's not, it's not a, a game to be won. It's a game to be played. It's a, game, it's a life to be lived. In the words of uh, Marillion, surprise, I'm quoting Marillion, Happiness is not at the end of the road. Happiness is the road. And from my own point of view, if you're constantly seeking the end, if you're constantly seeking the payoff or the destination, then what you're missing is the drive, the drive through the trees, the journey northward and southward, the, the opportunity to watch the sky change slowly as the sun sets. Rather than rushing home, rather than rushing towards your destination, take it casually. Look at the beauty around you. You were given the senses that you have in order to enjoy these things. There are colors in the sky. There are scents on the wind. There are textures under your fingers. When we are babies, when we are toddlers and little people discovering the world, if you watch these tiny humans and you watch them discovering the universe, you, you see this, this constant look of amazement on their faces, the constant look of discovery. And because of the, the sheer amount of beauty around us consistently, um, as we get older, it tends to become commonplace. We overlook miracles every single day simply because the miraculous has become commonplace to us. Going woo again. (laughs) If we are born in the image of these conscious beings, if we are the spirits inside of these these crude transportations that we we are in for a little while, the universe is a part of us and we are a part of it. And to take a moment and notice the things that we overlook, to, to notice the miracles that are happening. Hell, the uh, the toddlers themselves are miracles. You are. Look at look at the way your hand works. Look at I, I know it's it's a lot of it's a lot of navel gazing and, and so on and so on. But I I believe in it, and it makes me happy and it brings me joy. So that's my answer. When the voice in the head starts rattling on, you. Focus on the positive things. You focus on the beauti- the beautiful things around you. And woo or not and and navel gazing or not, if it if it turns the voice down, so be it. You know. Let the positivity overwhelm you. Let the, you know, be irrationally positive in what you can, as best you can. I know that's a tough journey. I know that's a tough walk. And I'm, I'm certainly not here to tell you what to do. I, uh, I certainly have my own struggles and my own down days and times when I feel like I can't get up again, but I've managed to do it every time so far. I, uh, I haven't died yet, and I haven't let it overwhelm me yet to the point where I couldn't get back up. So if me and, and all of my weakness can, can handle that, I'm certain that you can. Uh, I hold you all in very high regard. So, I had a point there also about this. I pulled up a a quote by Amanda Palmer. Um, Amanda, for those of you, uh, Amanda is a performance artist, uh, a writer, a philosopher. Um, she... I'm a fan of her work, but more I'm a fan of her words and a fan of the journey that she's taken. She um, she wrote a book a few years ago called uh, The Art of Asking um, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Let People Help. Uh, it, it has a lot to do with, with crowdsourcing and allowing, in, in what I've embraced, uh, allowing the people that love you and, and, and like your art to support your art and in return you, you, give, a, you give the best of yourself um, which is certainly something that I'm embracing and trying to go with um, she was the one that inspired me to do the Naked Truth show in some work that she had done similar I took it in a slightly different direction but um, the point was the same it drew her attention for a little bit and um I think she liked what she saw. But uh, getting back to uh, to what we were talking about here in The Voices, um, Amanda has a quote in her book, The Art of Asking, about what she calls the fraud police. Now, I've believed in the fraud police for a long time. I've looked over my shoulder constantly and consistently, but she says it better than I could. Quote, The fraud police are the imaginary, terrifying force of real grown-ups who you believe, at some subconscious level, are going to come knocking on your door in the middle of the night saying, We've been watching you, and we have evidence that you have no idea what you're doing. You stand accused of the crime of completely winging it. You are guilty of making shit up as you go along. You do not actually deserve your job. We are taking everything away and we are telling everybody. "Unquote. Holy cow. I have dealt with the fraud police since I gained consciousness in school when I when certain things came easy to me when when math and literature and poetry and all the things that I loved and embraced and was good at uh, came to me where it didn't come to other people, and things like sports and um, science eluded me in in a major way. I, I felt the fraud police were going to show up some time ago. You know. You're you're faking it on the English thing, you're faking it on the literature thing. Everybody sees through you. But we're going to tell everybody anyway what a fraud you are. All the way through the work that I do today, I will often stand backstage and wonder how I'm going to pull it off one more time or is this going to be the night that everybody sees through the facade that I've built up through <laughs> through tens of thousands of hours of practice rehearsal genuine work, creativity, and love that I put into my art, maybe it's not enough. Maybe tonight's the night everybody sees through it, and uh, once again, I get booed off stage. But the thing about it is is that they don't exist. The fraud police just simply don't exist. You are valuable. You are good at what you put yourself behind. If you find your ability, if you find the ability that's been put into your hand and you embrace it and you put your passion and your devotion behind it and you're honest with yourself and your growth, well, then you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you are there, – there is no fraud police that's going to show up and tell you that uh, you're doing it wrong, even if you are just winging it. Man, I I walked out on the street and put my table up without the first idea of what I was going to do. I knew a few tricks, and that's where I started. But I was absolutely positive I was going to get a letter from the International Brotherhood of Magic Dudes saying, Yeah, you're not good enough to be doing that. You need to cease and desist right now. You're good enough. You're more than good enough. You're great. The only thing that's going to hold you back is yourself if you let the voices tell you what to do. But I know you, and you're greater than that. And you can push back against the voices, and you can see the beauty all around you. And if you can see it all around you, if you can look around and you can see beauties in sunsets and in trees and in architecture and in the way that somebody puts something together then why not turn the eye inward and look at yourself as well look at look at how marvelously you're made look at the the engineering that makes up you the uh the vehicle that your your soul drives around yeah it's fallible and yeah it's got a limited number of years and no warranties but how marvelous in in its execution anyway that's uh those are my thoughts on that. There are no fraud police. The voice in your head is wrong and it's lying to you. And you are better than your pain. And you're better than the doubts you have. You are amazing. And I'm talking to all of you. Oh, look. He's going to quote Marillion again. This is um, this is from a song called Faith. Uh, which is going to segue nicely into the next thing we're going along with. Uh, this is Faith. Um, the, uh, the words are written by Steve Hogarth, the, uh, the lead singer of Marillion. What I have here in my hand is like faith, but not faith. For those without faith also have what I have here in my hand. What I have here in my hand is like feeling, but deeper. It's why I'm here. What I have here in my hand is knowledge, Without proof What I have here in my hand Is what I feel for you It's why the earth is alive It makes electricity work And fire dance in the sky Feel it Feel inside the atoms Where the science breaks down Feel inside the atoms Where the science breaks down If you don't believe in love You'd have to make it up You'd have to make it up. You'd have to make it up. What I have here in my hand is like faith, but not faith. What I have here in my hand, this is what I feel for you. What I have here in my hand is like knowing, but deeper. It's why I'm here. It's why I am here. You see why I love this band? You see why I love this group so much? I have an ability. I have several abilities that I have full faith in. While I, uh, I may fail miserably at life and finances and relationships and, and other things, and, and I even fear failing my audience, I have faith in the things that I've been given. I have faith in the the ability in my hands to shuffle, manipulate, move, and create the illusion of magic with playing cards and coins and Pringles cans and push-up pops and all the things that, uh, that make up my show. I, I have faith that it's going to be there. I don't question it. When I step out on stage and I begin what I do, I might question my ability to get the group of people to love me or to to acknowledge me or to connect with them but i don't have doubts about my ability in my hands and and what's going to happen there to the point where quite often it happens naturally it happens instinctively i need to do this and so it gets done and i don't uh, i don't consciously think of it i allow it to happen um, the other thing that I do is I speak well. I, I know that there are flaws in what I do, but I think a lot of the flaws and scars in the way that I speak add to the genuineness of my ability to get ideas across. More than that, in relationships, in, in friendships, in, in, in my day-to-day dealings with other people, I really like to listen. I really like to hear someone else's story. And whether I have a response or not, I'm not sitting there waiting to talk or waiting to put my two cents in. I genuinely want to hear someone uh, put their heart out there. It means a lot to me to, to be trusted with those things. Uh, love stems from the ability to, to really listen and feel and embrace someone else's hopes, dreams, and fears. And even if you can't solve them or cure them or soften them even... The ability to listen and sympathize and empathize and just be there for the person to talk to—that's uh, that's vital. And uh, in that way, I like to be needed. I certainly do like to have someone on the on the other end when need be, when I need to pour myself out or or complain one more time about uh, the the uh, the dance and the song that that seems to go on and on uh, that I don't care for. And um, and it's disappointing when when that uh, that receptacle isn't there for the words. Uh, this is life, right? Um, there will be there will be friends, and there will be people nearby. Uh, I've found when they're needed, they uh, it's it's part of the gift of the universe. Friends and love, and and uh, there are, there are lonely times, and there are there are dark times. But in this, uh, in this modern age, finding an ear isn't that far away, really. Um, the, the world is much, much smaller now. Technological uh, advances and everything have made the world a much smaller place. Um, man, I remember when I was young, uh, seven, eight, nine years old, and first learning to write and first learning to create sentences and create stories and, and put these things down on paper— uh, there used to be pen pals uh, in, sc- in school. I, I used to write to uh, to a young man about my age, and I believe, if I'm not completely mistaken, uh, he was in Oxford uh, in England. And, I mean, it would take forever in those days for, for things to go back and forth. We exchanged maybe a half dozen letters apiece back and forth during the school year. But we were learning to communicate, and we were learning to uh, to exchange ideas via pen and paper, and um, and I still remember a lot of those things to this day. A lot of the the way he described his house and the way he described his school, and marveling in the the differences and the similarities that were between us. Um, hadn't thought about that in a long time, but uh, of course I'm sure there are still people who have pen pals and, and people that love writing letters back and forth. I I enjoy it myself though my handwriting is atrocious. I do like putting ink on paper um, especially when I know someone is eager to read it. Um, Someone who will immediately tear open an envelope and and, and look at the contents and see what's there. I I, I do enjoy that quite a bit. And I love getting letters. Man, I love getting letters. I love getting cards and, and, and knowing that someone took the time to take a pen and, and their own imagination or their own feelings and, and put them down on something solid like like a good piece of paper that would really take the ink and, and take the the soul of the person into it as well um, that's that's very moving to me those kinds of things let's see let's move forward from here I don't I've been uh, I've been told it's okay to go as long as I want to I, I certainly don't want to take up an awful lot of time Um I, in fact, right now I couldn't tell you how long I've gone I don't put I didn't put a a timer up on this particular podcast but uh, uh, I guess you're still listening so um, I want to move on to one that I've saved for the end here and I've touched on it a little bit but um, not the way that uh, I think the author wanted me to so I don't know where my mouth is going to take me. If I offend you, um, I apologize for offending you. If I uh, if I stray into a an area that makes you uncomfortable, and uh, I one of my ideas does not sit well with you, uh, let me polo- apologize in advance. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your your concerns, or you know, or however you feel about anything that I put out. Um, this is a, of course, it's a monologue. It's me talking to you, but. Uh, there are ways to get in touch with me very, very easily. Wherever you're hearing this from, there is a link somewhere uh, of a way to get in touch with me—an email or a or a text message or a Facebook message. You'll uh, you should if it's on SoundCloud, it's right there. I know that on iTunes, it has a link to my website that uh, has my email on it. So get in touch. I'd like to hear what you have to say and your opinions on what I've said. This is how we get to know each other, right? So on the Patreon page, uh, in response to one of, um, one of the things, one of the posts that I put up there, um, not sure why he didn't send me this as a direct message, but he posted it as a, uh, as a response. And that's okay. You know, whatever works, works. My friend Daniel writes this. So I have two questions. You've talked about the times you faced when you were going through your divorce. So, A, how were you able to keep your faith and push on? And B, what is your faith? You talked about being in the church of God, but if you don't mind, go into more about your faith. Uh, my second question, actually your third question, dude. that uh, was two uh, in the first one. My second question, removing comics and magicians, what other artist inspires you? All right, let me tackle these three uh, out of order, because one will lead better to another. Uh, question 1B, what is your faith? You talked about being in the church of God, but if you don't mind going into more about your faith. Well, let me tell you about me in church. Let me tell you about me in organized religion. I, uh, I came up when I was very young, when, we were, uh, when my family was still together, Early, early, early on, I remember walking to a nearby Baptist church. Um, the only thing I remember really about that particular minister is that he looked an awful lot like Elvis in a black robe, but, you know, that was the style of the day. He had uh, long sideburns and jet black hair, and, uh, and he moved quite a lot when he spoke. Um, we moved when I was eight years old, We moved to Tegakay, which is a suburb of a suburb of a suburb of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Actually down in York, uh, South Carolina, but not too far away. It's about – Carowinds is about halfway between uh, where I live now and where I lived then. It's just on the other side of the border. Kind of is a country club atmosphere. It was built around a golf course or a series of golf courses, tennis courts, and and so on and so on. And this was roughly 1973. Um, we moved out there. The The theme of the place was uh, all the houses were of a Polynesian architecture style, um, which was interesting. I'm going to say it was lovely at the time. Um but as more modern architecture got placed into it, it, it the, the old style seemed kind of wacky. When it was all one thing, it, it, it was interesting and fun, uh, and I liked it a lot. But going back uh, later on in life, uh, when, when there's, there's new stuff, it, it just it's kind of goofy. But my father designed and built uh, his own house out there. That's, that's really a story for another day. Let me stay on track here. We, uh, we went to a non-denominational church gathering known as the church of today at TGK. Um, it was very much a early 70s style church based on music and love and and relationships and my mother sang with the church for the church an awful lot and we did or rather they did um, a lot of special events a lot of plays a lot of uh, what seemed to me like variety shows at the time. So, um, not a lot of uh, what I would call Christian structure. Jesus was uh, Jesus was just all right with us, you know. It was a very Doobie Brothers kind of a of a relaxed um, church going religious experience, and. You know, that was okay, kind of a casual Christianity. Uh, we cared about each other, and we learned how to care about each other, and so on and so on. Later on, when I got into 13, 14 uh, years old, and, and my mom and dad split, and mother started dating and, uh, and eventually married a Methodist minister. He was a student uh, when they met, and he finished up school and, and and was assigned his own church. And they had some very—he uh, uh, had some very strict um, ideas about what Christianity should be for everyone except for himself. Uh, huge, massive hypocrite. Um, we had many a spirited debate— um, About what Christianity meant and exactly what the Bible said. And of course, he had to be right all the time because he was the student. He he was taking the classes. He was under the uh, philosophers and et cetera, et cetera. And I was just a a punk kid who didn't know anything. So obviously he was way wiser than me. But I could feel his hypocrisy um, in the way he acted versus what he said from the pulpit. So the church and I... Uh, based largely on, one, his hypocrisy, and two, my inherent rebellious nature started uh, splitting. We started cracking. Now, I did not abandon um, my belief, my faith in God and Christ, but I pulled hard away from the church um, and eventually split with them entirely. Later on in life, uh, after getting married, my wife's Church, Church of God, uh, embraced me there, and um, I really i like the uh, i like the storytelling aspect of Church of God, particularly the one that uh, that I attended, and the minister that uh, that led that church had a very unique, dynamic, flamboyant. Not flamboyant. I won't go with that, but a dynamic storytelling style that I really liked a lot. And he certainly lived his uh his talk. He lived up to um to everything he was saying. He was straightforward and he had his belief and it was uh even in the points where I thought he was misguided about what he believed, he walked it. He lived uh what he said. And I and I certainly could respect that. Um so I, I had my own ideas about what uh uh, Christianity would be, and, and and what Jesus meant in my life, and what God meant as far as the Holy Trinity, and that's that was embraced by me uh, a lot. I mean, really, really hardcore. Um, my growth and my knowledge and my my faith grew in a different direction. Um, I shouldn't. Uh, this is this is where I'm going to start offending people. Uh, warning, spoiler, I should never base my belief and faith on God and Christ, on the actions and reactions of other people, of the sheep of the church. Um, But I did. I totally did. And the doubts that I have now and the, the way that I view things... Uh, largely rose, the questions largely arose from the way that um, the good people of the Christian church um, treated me and my family. Um, From from being denied entry to, well, my daughter being denied entry into a youth group um, night because... um, They didn't like the way she was dressed or or that her ears or her nose was pierced or some such like that. She was not dressed provocatively. She was not dressed scandalously. They just didn't like the way she appeared and told her that uh, she shouldn't come back until she learned uh, how to dress appropriately. Now, to be fair, this was not said by anyone of of any authority at the church. It was like a volunteer or, or a parent or something. And the, the youth leader at the time went to bat for her and got angry about the situation and, uh, and, and tried to fix it. But uh, it broke something inside of her. Uh, on another occasion in a completely different church, my son, uh, embracing faith and embracing the church and embracing his religion and, and his beliefs, um, wanted to be a part of the youth band. Uh, he has a natural ability for the guitar, he has a natural ability for music, and he is flamboyant and he is dynamic and he praises like David, if you're familiar uh, biblically with King David and the way that he danced before God in, in, in praise and in worship and 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 went crazy, just went nuts uh, in in the way he did it to some extent. Braden did the same kind of a thing. He just had so much joy, so much exuberance, so much happiness in playing his instrument, and having a focus to the God he believed that made him in in total praise. That he just cut loose, and he did the most amazing, beautiful work that that I have ever seen. He's way more talented than I am at at his, at his craft than I am at mine. Um. He's, he's simply uh, amazing. He, he had the ability long before he picked up the instrument, if you know what I mean. So so anyway, uh, he he went to audition and, um, and played well. and then they told him he played well. and they told him at the time that he outplayed the other people that were auditioning for the spot, but they told him that he obviously loved himself more than he loved Jesus. And so there was no place for him in, uh, in the church band. Let me repeat that in case it didn't sink in. This Christian leader told this boy of 15, 16, in his formative years, trying to come to grips with who he is, who his God is, what faith is, what it is to, to be joyful. And and he played his guts out. And not only that, but exhibited joy and happiness and, and, and got the people that were watching his audition up on their feet and dancing with him and praise and, and worship through his instrument to the God that made him. He believed and his leader The the person he was supposed to look up to and respect the most told him, I think you love yourself more than you love Jesus. Beg your pardon. How the fuck are you supposed to teach the joy of creation, the joy of a higher being, telling that, that, that Jesus and God loves you and you're not? one, allowed to show joy and happiness and exuberance in that fact, let alone love yourself? I'm sorry, that's bullshit. And you don't tell a boy that. You especially don't tell a boy of that age that find a different excuse if you just don't want him in the band. But don't tell him that he loves himself more than he loves the God that he was trying to praise. You drove, you're not out there, you're not listening. He drove a wedge between my son's heart and God because he wasn't looking at it as this is some ignorant jackass human being uh, voicing some odd opinion. No, he took it as this is a leader of the church and this is how God sees me. God thinks I love myself more than I love him. It set him back a huge amount down his road. And believe me when I tell you, I was angry. I was, I was furious. But you can't blame, you can't blame God for, some, for the way that some of his ignorant sheep act. Yeah, we're all human. Yeah, we all have our own opinions. And yeah, sometimes, man, we can be cruel. We can be downright mean to the people that we're supposed to be protecting, to the people we're supposed to be, you know, providing the example for. I don't really know what else to say except don't do that. So if you ask me about my faith, and I'm still on, on the first question here, what is my faith? long, hard thoughts about it and long, hard seeking of myself and and, and and what I choose to believe and where I rest my faith is simply this. I don't know an awful lot. I I genuinely just plain old don't know an awful lot. But what I believe, the things... Around me, the earth, the heavens, the stars, the the things that I can visibly see are infinitely older than I can even begin to imagine. Matter is neither created nor destroyed, right? So it's infinite, and my human mind cannot grasp infinity. I look at the balance of life on this planet and the delicateness of it. And the way that things interact with each other, the feelings of intuition, the, 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 the consciousness inside of me that recognizes not only my physical being, but my spiritual one as well. And I look at the way leaves are made, and I look at the colors in the sky, and I look at the way that I'm made to be able to see and appreciate and love and find joy in these things. And I just cannot find the faith in myself to believe that it happened by accident. No, my faith believes that it was created. And that flies in the face of a lot of the scientific things that I know. And in a lot of things, my faith and my belief overshadows the things that I know to be fact, and that's so be it. It's certainly not going to to hurt anyone. I'm only gonna you know be around here, you know, a few decades, um, you know, in in total, eight, nine, ten, who knows, you know, five for all that matter. But but my believing that this was crafted doesn't doesn't hurt anyone and it doesn't interfere with anyone else's life. It brings me joy and it keeps me going and and it inspires me. So that's what I believe. Call that selfish. Call it, you know, ignorance. Okay. I was created. This was created. I look at everything. I look at, okay, okay. Everything you see around you, everything... Man-made. Everything man-made. You look around wherever you are right now. Uh, everything was once just a vision in somebody else's head. The, from the architecture and the, and the walls that, that you live surrounded by, to the car you drive, to the building you work in, to the, to the shape of a garden, all of it was imagined first and then created. If, I'm going I'm to delve biblical for a second. There's, there's, there's many passages that speak to me. And uh, one, one that definitely does is uh, God created humans in, in their image. Um, pronouns being important here. If we are created by a creative be- being, by the, the being that... Created all that nature is, the living, breathing, living planet that we live on, that that we exist on, spinning through, you know, an infinite void of, of, of space where who knows how many millions of others like and unlike us are out there living, having consciousness, not having consciousness, but being alive. How could it have happened by accident? That's my faith. It was created. And and if we as humans were created in the image of God, and again, quoting biblically, um, which (laughs) aside, not a place to rest your faith completely. Just saying. But there is some wisdom in there. Um, God created human in their own image. And if a creative God created us in their own image, doesn't that make all of us creative as well? And we are artists and architectures and 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 engineers, parents and 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 friends and lovers. We we are we strive to create to make something new. Chefs and cooks and. Yeah. Uh, landscapers, all of us, we, we strive to create something new out of ourselves out of out of passion, out of ability, out of love. The things that you make with your hands, you make with love. And and how simple is it to simply have the faith that there is a higher being that created us out of love. Now That's where my faith is. If you want to ask about sin, if you want to ask about redemption, if you want to ask about sacrifice and all of those things that go along with the Christian religion, I'll get into that some other time. But for right now, if you want to ask where my faith is or where the seat of my faith is, it is that there is a higher power that is highly creative and is born and is an infinite loop of love, no beginning, no end, simply is um, the infinity thing is is really really difficult impossible for me to try to explain how I feel about it in this forum, but not being constrained by the illusion of time simply is and that's where love is um, there's been a lot of debate. Uh, that I've seen at least lately online about uh, religion versus science. And in a very practical sense, science is going to kick religion's ass every single time. You know, there are facts and there are facts and religion leans on faith, um, which is not good in a debate. That's why it's called faith. It's knowledge without proof. But I'd like for you to consider, and, and I hope to talk about this again uh, in the future as well, I hope you'll keep me to it, uh, love versus science. Where does love fit in with science and, and knowledge? Love is, an, is a real thing. We feel it and we live by it. And, it, and it, For me, it, it's the very building block of life itself, spiritually. So how does that fit in with science? Here's a question for you. Um, Question two, which was question one, uh, how are you able to keep your faith and push on uh, going through my divorce? Well, I did a lot of it alone, and I did a lot of it screaming and crying and and lamenting my own uh, faith—fate, rather— trying to wish things back the way they that I thought they should be. Um, I buried myself in work as much as I could. I wrote an awful lot as much as I could. I relied on friends, and I over-relied on friends. And um, I just I set myself a challenge of waking up each day. If I was allowed to wake up, um, then I had a, a purpose for the day. I had a reason to be alive uh, to help someone else to to clean up my own messes to in my own way try to redeem myself and forgive myself um, and uh, and and realize that uh, there are people that rely on me more outside my family than inside. And I was given this this thing. This goes back to question one, this thing in my hands, and I wanted more than anything to be a good steward of the uh, the gift that I have. I've been asked in the past, you know, what's more important to you, your your performance, your your art, or your family. And the answer is, is tough and the answer is a little cruel but uh, the art is more important I, I had it from birth, it's, it's a part of me um, without it I wouldn't have the ability to love my family, to take care of my family, to take care of the people that I cherish and, and adore um, and, and given that You know, given that choice to live, I have to embrace the art. I have to embrace what I was meant to do because it's a gift and I have to be a good steward of this gift. As painful as that might be to myself and to the people that care about me. As betrayed as they might feel. um, This is going to come first because I cannot take care of you. I cannot look after you and I cannot be... Uh, the man that I, I should be for you as husband, father, lover, friend, unless um, unless my heart is being taken care of, um, that's where I find my 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 greatest joy is in performing and being on the stage and having my feet there for a purpose. As I'm recording this, it's uh, it's Sunday. Um, Tomorrow, I'm going to go do a free show for the Muscular Dystrophy Association summer camp. Uh, I've done this for years, and the only thing I get out of it is the overwhelming waves of love that I get from the children, from the parents, from the counselors, from the, the people that are there running the thing. I go and I do a few card tricks and I make a few people laugh and I make a pe- some people feel good. And they, the return that comes back out of that group keeps me going. And some of it's tragic and some of it's painful to, to dwell on. But if I was made for nothing else than to inspire a young man or a young woman trapped in a wheelchair... What what better life to live? so knowing that there are the the m d a family and the u s o family and the people that month after month come out to monthly Monday Magic at Petras that come to see me and to hear what I have to say and to watch yeah. Some of the same effects again and again. Um, even though it changes slightly, you know, you're kind of seeing the same show. But they've, they've, put, they've put it out there that, that I do something for them. And uh, so the, the thought of those people, the thought of my place in the world and my responsibility and my... <sighs> what I was created to be, my job wasn't over just because my family fell apart. Just because friendships that I held dear that were life-giving and vital to me fell apart, partially because of my fault and partially because of their fault. And I'm certainly not going to blame anyone. It just happened. The world didn't stop spinning. My job wasn't done. There was still... You know, there were still fields to be hoed. There were still, you know, there there was still food to be made, water to be boiled, card tricks to do. And so I went out and did them. And little by little, I learned to look again inside of myself and see the value of what I have and what I am. And what it does for people and what it means to people. And I don't... uh, I don't have a romantic relationship. I'm not looking for a romantic relationship. I I suppose when the time is right or the universe or God or whoever decides that it's time, that, that will come along, it'll come to me. For right now, I'm doing my work, I'm doing my job, I'm touching as many hearts as I can and I'm putting as much of myself out there as I am physically, spiritually able to do. That's how I kept my faith. By leaning on it. By absolutely relying on this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So, you know, shut up and go do it. And that's what I did. I hope that answers the question. Uh, Second, actually, third question. Removing comics and magicians, what other artist inspires you? Well, there's a list. I, um... I love movies. I love uh, I love work by people like Aronofsky and and uh, Burton and, you know, um, Orson Welles and you know, the the, the, the history of cinema, both the largely American but but worldwide as well, has always fascinated me, mostly because of the stories and the way they get told. I could spend entire podcasts talking about singular movies. Hey, by the way, a uh, future idea for a future thing. If you have a movie that, that you love or you know that I love or, or are just curious on my feelings about, send me a message. Uh, I will make that an entire podcast if you want, talking about the, the movies that I love. Um, my favorite being The Wrestler um, with Mickey Rourke. Uh, we'll talk about that another time. And, you know that, that movie touches me heart-wise in, in more ways than you could imagine. Um, the music, lyrics, and feeling of Merillion. Now, for those of you, quick, quick course in, in the, uh, the history of Merillion, and I'll keep it brief because I know some of you don't care. Um, they're a band out of, uh, out of Europe. Uh, some from Scotland, some from England. They, ha- they put out four albums with their original lead singer, uh, Fish, and his music and his lyrics, uh, his lyrics were extremely introspective. Uh, he dealt with uh, the the thoughts of divorce and breakups of long relationships, and alcoholism, and the idea and concept of suicide and how to avoid it, and looking at the world and and its madness, and looking at war and its madness, and uh, from his own perspective very poetic, very moving. Um, they put out four albums with him as the singer, and he sought a different direction. He saw something else uh, that the band was not willing to go along with, and so they parted ways. Um, they have a new lead singer and have put out uh, 13 additional albums with Steve Hogarth as their lead singer-slash-lyricist, and while his lyrics are not as introspective, they're a lot more poetic, and they reach me on a deeper level than, than Fish's ever did. Now, Fish, you know, I, I got to know him as a person through his lyrics and through what his, his suffering taught me, but I learned more about myself through the lyrics of, uh, of Steve Hogarth. I, I find their, their music... their their very showmanship, their technique to be lovely in its own way. Uh, Marillion were the very first band to ever uh, crowdsource to ask their fans to pay for an album before it was made, to be able to finance uh, creativity without having to rely on a a record label. And they have thrived uh, from that point. They, are, they have a very hardcore, large um, center of us that love them dearly and uh, travel to great lengths to be able to see them play live. Um, they are certainly bigger in different parts of the world than they are in America, but they do have hardcore fans that live here as well. Um, and and they, they lean on those. They rely on us uh, for their continued journey, and I've always been happy to uh, to be a part of that. Um, Artists that inspire me: uh, Dominic Pangborn, the painter, inspires me a great deal. Um, Timothy Yankee, the way that he, the way that he puts pigment on canvas, is uh, is amazing. Uh, I could go on and on with with, with several of those uh, deeply inspiring to me. Um, you know, here's an odd, and uh, this is. When you said comics, I wasn't sure if you meant comics like comic books or comics like stand-up comics. So I'm going to – I'm not going to remove them from the question. I think that's unfair. Um, but I'll, I'll touch on both. As far as comics, stand-up comics, Robin Williams and uh, lately Mike Birbiglia, um really, really inspire me in directions of creativity and wildness and speaking right from the gut and, and telling a true story when you're standing on stage. As far as comic books go, um, number one favorite, I'm going to give you three, number one favorite comic of all time uh, was Mage, um, done in three different series, The Hero Discovered, The Hero um the, wow, suddenly gone from me. The hero's destiny? Is that the second part of it? Anyway, the hero, mage. Uh, and finally now, finally coming out is the hero denied. Uh, defined was the second one. Sorry, that's where my brain went. The hero discovered, the hero defined, and the hero denied. Uh, it is a, a very modern day telling of basically uh, Gilgamesh. Uh, and to some lesser extent, some sideways ex- uh, extent, uh, King Arthur. Uh, well worth looking up and well worth reading. Um, just the heart and soul of, of Matt Wagner, who created and executed the thing. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece. Uh, secondary, <clears throat> Grendel, also by Matt Wagner. Grendel started off as uh, the back pages of some of the early Mage comic books and grew into its own uh, creation. Grendel is a comic told from the point of view of a villain and, uh, and, a, and a spirit that uh, inhabits different, uh, different entities in the way it exhibits itself in, in these different entities. And finally, uh, Cerebus the Aardvark. Dark and, and, and disturbing in some ways and uh, life-changing as far as a young man reading comics and the arc that Cerebus took and the way it dealt with religion and relationships and what it means to be uh, masculine versus feminine, um, the, the, the interchangeable part of the binary g- uh, genders, which uh, the creator Dave Sim explored, gosh, 20 years ago, uh, and also the way he dealt with religion. I don't agree with most of his philosophy, but, man, I really love the way he executed it. I love the way he put it forth and and his arguments and the, and the, and the classic way that he, he presented his arguments through the pages of Cerebus. Um, some of it I agreed with. A great deal of it I didn't. But uh, it's interesting in, in embracing work and art and ideas that you don't necessarily believe or um, – or would even stand behind. something, Maybe something you're even violently uh, opposed to, but respecting the way that the idea is put forth. I wonder if that makes sense. Um, musical artists, man. Uh, Marillion, obviously. I could go on and on and on about them. The Ramones, simply for the, the, just the raw texture and the, and the way that they, they played from exactly where they were. Um, and all the punk movement that came out of that, uh, the Misfits, I was a big fan of the Misfits, the Dead Kennedys, the Angry Samoans, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you know, from, from that era. Um, while at the same time, also loved Sparks, you know, New Wave, uh, um, a lot like the Go-Go's in their own way. All of these things inspired, inspired me. Um the, uh, the art and work of Dave Goles and uh, Jim Henson and the way that they brought to life Kermit and, uh, and most especially Gonzo and what that eventually meant to me and my art and the way it wormed its way into, uh, into my act. Um, there will be, at some point in the future, there will be a, a Rainbow Connection uh, effect. I haven't found it yet. I want that song to be a part of my show because it's been a part of my life, but I have not found the um, the vehicle for it yet. I haven't found anything that's good enough to plug it in yet, and I'm not taking suggestions. Uh, while I love you all and I appreciate that you're going to have ideas of things that might could be done with that song, this legitimately 100% has to come from me, and I, and I won't listen... Selfishly, I will not listen uh to ideas about what to do with rainbow connection. It will come to me or it won't and uh and that's where that's gonna be so hopefully that answered uh that that's those are the artists that most inspire me If another one pops into my head uh, certainly I'll readdress this down the road a little piece but that's um that's the basics of where that is i am uh I am growing horse. <laughs> And there are things I need to take care of the rest of the evening. I uh, I want to thank you all for listening. I I hope I had uh, I hope I had some that you were interested in at least a little of what I was talking about. If by some off chance you are still listening, welcome to the uh, welcome to the end of the podcast. Um, I want to stress again that you're uh, you are the ones that that fund this and take care of it, uh, the Patreon and the. Uh, The PayPal are vital for me to be able to continue to do this, as well as putting out the videos that I'm going to put out, the books that are going to be coming out. We currently stand on the Patreon page at 31 sponsors, Uh, and God bless you all. Uh, You get to hear this first. Uh, Those of you at the $5 mark or above uh, sponsoring me get to hear this uh, podcast first. You get the videos first. They all come to you first. You'll get it at least two or three days and sometimes as much as a week before the, the public will. And that's just a, it's a very small thank you. Uh, but it is something that I can do um, for those of you that, uh, that are interested. So thank you for hearing this first. Uh, but no matter when you're listening to it, if it's, you know, a couple of days from now or if it's a year or so from now, I believe in you and I believe in what you have in your hands and I appreciate you listening to me and believing me in me enough to listen this far. And even if you disagree, and maybe you violently disagree with some of the things I've said, um, I'm touched that you're still listening and that you enjoyed what I had to say or maybe the way that I said it to listen long enough. I will happily listen to your point of view. Uh, send me a note. Tell me I'm wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. Show me some proof of where I'm wrong. I'd love to have that conversation. Um, maybe someday there'll be a, a secondary person in this room uh, debating with me over something like that. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, we're still in the ground stages of this. Who knows which direction it's going to go in. For right now, it's stream of consciousness and me talking about the things that are important to me uh, at this moment. Thanks for listening. Last pitch, patreon.com slash artist. My YouTube channel is Hannibal Group, or if you just you get on YouTube and do a search for Hannibal the Magician, you'll find a bunch of stuff. Uh, so I'm all over YouTube. Um, like, comment, uh, subscribe there. I do some interesting stuff. Uh, later tonight I'll be putting up a, uh, a brand new video uh, for the patrons on the Patreon page. It'll go out to YouTube in about a week, uh, a piece that I've been working on for uh, about a year or more. That's uh, finally ready to be incorporated, or at least finally ready to be shared with the public. Uh, magic, uh, Instagram, and um, and uh, Twitter. Instagram and Twitter are both magic artist. At magic artist, you can find me there. Uh, Facebook, of course. Look up Hannibal Unique Motivational Theater. That's my uh, that's my public page, my fan page. If you just want to follow me, I'm, I'm almost at the end of my friends list. I need to to weed out because I've got close to 5,000, I think. Um, Christopher Hannibal, find me there. Um, follow me or, or befriend me if I know you. Uh, if we have mutual friends, be more than happy to follow you back. I love the conversations that come up there. Have I forgotten anything? We did YouTube. We did Facebook. We did Instagram. We did Twitter. My website is themagicartist.com, themagicartist.com. Sometime this week that's going to get a brand new um, page stuck in the middle of it somewhere to, one, promote this podcast, and two, archive these because um, SoundCloud only allows a certain amount of space, and I'm, I'm pretty much at the end of it, so I'm going to have to start archiving early, but those will all go into a special account, and you'll be able to access those from... Uh, the page at that magic artist, that magic artist, sorry, eliminate that the magic artist.com. What have I left out? Probably important things, uh, podcasts, wherever you're listening to subscribe, share with friends, tell them, you know, what an idiot I am and, and how fun it is to listen to this idiot talk or, or tell them that you like what I say, whatever it takes, uh, Get some people to listen. Let it go from there. Let, let, the, uh, let the chips fall where they're going to fall. I really enjoy doing this. I enjoy speaking. It's odd doing it in this room, but uh, but it's getting more fascinating each week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. Write me, info at chrishannibal.com. That's what I forgot. Info at chrishannibal.com is my email. You can get in touch with me there. Um, Send me ideas. Send me arguments. Send me pictures. send, Send me a smile. You know? Could always use one of those. I'll be back in a week, maybe before, depending on my mood and if I get verbose again. But until then, thanks for listening. And I sincerely hope that there's love where you are.